All right. Can everybody hear me all right? We're good in the back? All right, excellent. I won't have to yell at you then. I hope everybody's having a good modex so far. Everybody getting their uh, walking legs on, get a couple miles in a day here, steps, right? Yeah, okay. Well, welcome to uh, my presentation here on IoT and digital transformation. And I hope you can appreciate the theme here. Uh, everyone knows it's back to the future, but uh, we're gonna talk about payback, where we're going. We don't need payback. Uh, my name is Will Leet. I work for Honeywell Intelligrated, and uh, I'm responsible for basically leveraging IoT technologies for our customers. Uh, in the past, I've had experience in building automation, looking at how they used IoT. They've actually had it for about seven years now. Refineries have had it for about seven, or about uh, uh, 12 to 10. So uh, it's not necessarily a new technology, but it's new to our industry. So that's where my background comes from. Um, when I'm not working, I'm usually on a set of two wheels somewhere, cycling, uh, motorcycling, bikepacking, one of those activities. Um, but today, what I want to cover is we're going to review some of the barriers of adoption for IoT technologies. We're going to understand how to evaluate those financially, uh, what risks and sensitivities there are to those financial uh, potential outcomes, how to quantify those benefits and some of the intangible benefits that are out there that you should be looking for and trying to capture and what it means to prove it for IoT. A lot of it is gonna revolve around those three letters, ROI and payback. <clears throat> so generally speaking, I think we're familiar at this point with what IoT is, right? We've maybe heard this, connecting sensors up to the cloud, maybe some kind of analytics that provides some insights, but generally speaking, as the evolution of the technology goes, we've gone from a pretty common physical asset uh, now to more digitized, and now I carry a little supercomputer in my pocket now, so I hardly use what they call the phone app anymore, but it's a Rolodex, it's a calendar, it has this, all this other functionality now. And finally, as we see the industry moving, and we've learned from other industries, such as energy and building automation, is now I walk around, I have a watch on that tracks my steps, it tracks my heart rate, it's a sensor, right? My phone does some of that automatically, but it'll actually tell me on Thursdays if you completed 20 minutes more of exercise, you'd be in line with the rest of your week, and it might recommend different activities, right? So now this is a, a, what we would call, you know, digital transformation or industry 4.0, uh, and then I have to act on those insights. So hopefully you guys have seen what IoT looks like, generally if we're familiar with it, but this is kind of the evolution of technology that we're seeing. Where this is used, I just mentioned health, for example. Uh, it, this technology is being applied for asset health and being predictive about maintenance. So when I look generally at any type of system, I'm using a bearing in this example, uh, I have some initial performance when I install a bearing, right? And what happens is over time, it exponentially decreases from that level of performance. And even in just one, one to nine months, it says there, I, I get some change in the vibration pattern, right? Now, if I ask you, where do you think you are on this curve? Most people don't have a good answer. It's either I just installed one or it's screaming, right? So this is a pretty simple asset, a bearing, but I start thinking about more complex assets. Bearings usually are in a motor. Motor takes power. There's a shaft. There's belts. That's tied to a conveyor. There's a lot more that gets added into this, and even probably more rapid deterioration for electrical components, right? So. If I can add some kind of sensor and be able to understand what the health is and know when to take action. I think about cars often. If, if you talk about changing oil, the rule of thumb is every 3,000 miles or three months, right? But most modern cars, 
They tell you when the oil's low, or even the quality of the oil. And you can schedule time when you, when you want to plan maintenance and have the oil changed. So it's a little bit of a shift of technology. Um, most of it's being applied for asset health and predictive maintenance. So quick example of a recent case study that we've seen an application for. You guys have probably heard about um, monitoring vibration or power. In this case, we looked at uh, vibration of a motor that's on a critical sortation system. Uh, we were actually able to see a de deterioration in that performance. We saw some changes, said time to execute preventative maintenance, figured out it was something with the drive belt. They replaced the drive belt but knocked the gearbox out of the alignment. Now that would have gone unnoticed. That gearbox obviously would have lower lifespan, uh, but we're able to say, please go back, something's not right. We know it's something to do with the spectrum of the gearbox. Found out it was out of alignment, realigned it, and was able to validate the results. So pretty simple application of IoT for an asset, rotating asset like a motor. Um, where we are current state with the adoption of this technology, and you guys have probably seen some of the barriers, at least you're here now, so it shows you've had an interest in this. This is from 2016, but I'll show you kind of the current state of things is we know it's important, uh, but the reality is not many people are translating it to any strategic type of goal. Right, if I ask somebody what's your IoT strategy, they say we have an objective, we know it's important, but maybe only 20 and maybe 30% of those now actually have some kind of step-by-step -step strategic plan to implement IoT. So there's definitely a gap here, right? We've kind of confirmed that with a webinar that we did. Uh, we just took a poll and saw some similar results. There's still 20% out there that say I don't have an initiative. A lot of people have an initiative, but I don't really know what the success might look like. And some people are actually getting value out of this. I have a three or five year plan and some people are executing. Right? So this is kind of current state where we are. If I was to look at uh, kind of the hype cycle of IoT, I think you guys have heard this theme probably several years in a row now, right? So this is actually 2016. Here's a bunch of internet of things, machine learning, Predictive analytics, IoT integration, everything with a red arrow there is pretty high on the curve, right? And those technologies are supposed to be reaching that plateau in two to five years or five to 10 years. So we're realistically, we're just on the start of this. And I know because last year we probably had three different IoT seminars, or at least at, at uh, I guess the other MHI conference, there were three. Here, I think there's 20 different IoT seminars, right? So obviously people have more to present, they're learning. Um, but the reality is there's been a lot of hype, but we're just starting to come up this curve. <clears throat> so if we know it's important, we know there's some benefits around it, maybe we have an objective or some strategic goals, why are over three quarters of IoT projects failing? Right? And, and we often see there's some new data now that people are testing maybe even eight consecutive pilots, hoping that they get one out of it. So people are trying more than one. They're trying several, multiple, and they don't know necessarily what the outcomes might be. Um, so really, if I'm looking at the barriers of preventing people from successfully adopting this, this is provided by MHI last year, uh, people only rated this far lower, but we'll go through each of the top three here, but before this really falls off, is that lack of clear business case in an investment for, for IoT technology. So when I look at a traditional project, I buy a brand new piece of conveyor, fixed asset, it's gonna spit out a certain amount of CPM. I know very realistically what those benefits are gonna be. Very easy to forecast. It's gonna put so many boxes down the conveyor 
and they're gonna go out the door. If I look at IoT, there's some visible benefits, I get some idea of things I can do with it, but there's a lot of hidden benefits I probably haven't fully explored. So for successful adoption, this is gonna be the reoccurring theme, is that I need to understand the financial outcomes for it. So 75% of, um, you're 75% more likely to succeed if you have a strong financial business case for what the outcomes can be that you can measure against. Without that, how am I supposed to disrupt my own team or the way I do business if I don't have a, have a business case to do it, right? Most of us are ingrained of a certain way of looking at asset health or looking at how we maintain things on time-based rather than predictive. I need to have a financial basis to disrupt that. So we'll go through a quick exercise here. If we go back to the future, when we're evaluating technology that can capture text, and you're presented with three options. You have Microsoft Word, which we probably all use, love, hate, at least most of us have it installed on our laptop. Um, I maybe have Microsoft Notepad, that can capture text. And I have a physical notebook. Now, clear choice, all of us use it. We're very aware that Microsoft Word is maybe the superior product. But if I was pitching this to my boss, He's gonna ask me, what's the return on investment? Why would I pick this one? It's on a subscription-based service. That one I can just buy one time. Uh, I can spell check in all of these. I can write in all of these. I can erase in all of these. Can I really type faster in one of these or the other? Probably when you start out with Microsoft Word, you probably type slower than you write, right? So chances are most companies, if we were to go back in time, based on the ROI, would look at first cost, and I'm gonna select the notebook every time, right? Because I don't understand what the financial outcomes might be. So in terms of adopters, it's a little cliche, but there are tortoises and there are hares. So my early adopters who love technology and they're out there, I want IoT, they're kind of ignoring the business case and I just wanna get it. I wanna play with the new toys, right? So there's 350 IoT services out in the market, there's new vendors emerging, people are changing software platforms, they'll buy a new company, drop their platform, use that platform, a lot of this market buzz, and I can't tell the difference between different pie charts and bar charts between all these different screens. So I'm gonna pick one or two or eight, and whichever one feels like it worked pretty well or I like the colors or how it worked or my team says they liked it, I'm gonna go with that one, right? What did it save me? I may not know, I just know that my team likes it. So an emotional criteria for evaluation. As for my slow adopters, and there's kind of a balance between two of these, but if I'm thinking of in terms of the adoption curve, kind of in the middle or late adopters, there's a lot of people sitting back saying, I'm just gonna wait for this technology to mature, right? So there's a lot of this confusion. I'm gonna wait for it to mature, I'm gonna wait for somebody else to use it, they're gonna pilot it and figure out how it goes. Uh, and unfortunately, the cost of doing nothing is pretty high. They're missing out on any of the benefits because right now, as I showed in that curve, there are companies that are, that are saving money based on this technology. They also aren't setting any criteria for whether this succeeds or not. So we propose kind of a blended approach and we'll go through kind of each step here. I call it the Hortus approach. So some of these should be very slow and thoughtful about what the business case should be. We'll go through each of these. And some of them should be very rapid, very straightforward. Um, and it's important to call out the speed of certain parts of these, but we tend to miss the slow part on the beginning. Or at least we're very good at the slow part of awareness, 
but our evaluation and deciding what success criteria is is very poor. So let's start with awareness. Number one, barrier to adoption according to MHI. And I told you guys there are 350 IoT competitors in the marketplace. Right? And if I'm to differentiate just on price alone, there are free and there are $14 million services. So that's your range. If I try to differentiate on price, so if I look at another example, I'm just my phone. How many of you have one of these apps? Okay. Probably have more than one, right? Chances are, if I'm looking out there, I, these all play music. I can play music in any of these. They all have kind of a free trial to demo and understand what they are. So I need to have some kind of pilot phase that starts small and prove value. But, but the reality is, I have more than one of these on my phone as well. So we've often talked to companies and they say, yes, we have an IoT initiative, we've started, we picked the software, we're doing it, we're there. Well, how many did you pick? Just one? If there are 350 IoT competitors in the marketplace, what are the chances you pick the right one? The reality is there's probably more than one IoT software out there that can benefit, right? So I would be open to multiple different types of software and try to understand financially how they differentiate between each other. Uh, choosing a team is a pretty important part. This often gets overlooked. Um, obviously, it seems to be a lacking part for adopting the technology, according to MHI. There's at least three members that you need to have on a team. Pretty consistent theme we've seen across successful projects is someone a visionary who knows how this is going to work, someone who can actually coach and motivate the results uh, that their operators are taking, right? So in a very general sense, you know, this could be a DC manager, this could be a, one of my maintenance managers, and this could be my team of technicians. From an enterprise level approach, this could be someone looking at multiple DCs, these are my GC managers, and then these are people below them taking action. At a minimum, this is three, and we see, at least based on our study, that most people have two to three, right? And we have a couple overachievers, some amounts here. But realistically, I'd want to see 10, 12 people to execute this. Three is not enough. How many of you have uh, only two to three people on your IoT team, right? Think about how many people would be involved. We do see that 66% do include an external vendor. This isn't buying a hardware product. They call it software as a service for a reason. So there's a lot of consulting that happens. Buying it as a, as a software product is probably what we're accustomed to. If I buy Microsoft Word, there's no one coaching me on how to use it. But if I gave it to my grandma, I'd probably have to sit down and show her how to use that technology, right? So there is a service component to it, pairing teams with an external vendor and identifying within your organization who are my actors who are gonna be able to take action on this. Once I know who they are, I can start assigning them what parts of the ROI are they gonna be responsible for? What financial metrics are they gonna measure? So evaluating outcomes. Unfortunately for DCs, it's very difficult to estimate what the ROI is. And in fact, 80% of businesses misestimate that by 200 to 300%. Right, it's a manual process. It's usually an Excel sheet somewhere. If someone caused an error, did they report the right number? How does it get rolled up for multiple sites? When I look at the energy industry or building automation, it's pretty simple to find out when you screw up because it comes to you in the mail on a bill from the energy company. Very easy, one source, I can measure my outcomes. 
Unfortunately, there is no downtime bill for distribution centers, right? So I need to find out, there's gonna be multiple benefits. There's many use cases for IoT as, as it relates to predictive maintenance and asset management and looking at KPIs and measuring against them. But I need to align people on my team to be responsible for all parts of it. Just downtime alone may not pay for itself, but if I'm looking at inventory, if I'm looking at operational uh, improvements, there's different people who need to help manage that to bring the whole pie together. The funny part is, as I mentioned, this technology's been around in other businesses you know, seven, 10 years. This is a study from the Department of Energy, 2010. They already know IoT and predictive maintenance had significant benefits. And now this is for similar assets. This is wastewater treatment. This is commercial HVAC buildings. But motors, gearboxes, all those components nonetheless, right? So there are financial benefits. These are the rough projections based on a percentage. I think a lot of what's advertised out there is, you know, a single motor failure might be $140,000, right? That's not very scalable for different DCs. It could be very different for different assets. This is a percentage, so it gives you some indication of it, but I really need to build, build a financial model specific to my business. So if I, if I model some benefits, this is one that we've put together. Keeping in mind, I have some level of idea of what the savings could be for this. There's generally two categories, cost avoidance, right? So some level of risk that I can manage. Uh, then I'm also looking at some kind of continuous improvement. Am I gonna put more boxes down the line? Am I gonna get more money out of this? That's very measurable. The risk avoidance can be measurable. My cost of downtime or the uh, my recovery costs to repair afterwards. Um, but there's also under that cost avoidance some intangible costs as well. These can be difficult to estimate, but generally it's important to understand am I risk focused or am I productivity focused? And it depends on throughput, it depends on how much uh, how many packages are going through, what the value they are. So modeling and understanding, is this going to help me avoid risk, much like replacing a system would, or is it going to help me get more productivity, increase my CPM, or increase some rates? Uh, those are two very different outcomes to measure, right? So quick example I pulled from, uh, it's one I admire, that is a case of digital transformation that 3M completed. So their proposal was to take all the batteries out of clocks as their digital transformation example. Sounds crazy, right? We're gonna take all the batteries out of clocks, and they didn't say this, but with the amount of savings that I think they're gonna get, they could have bought everybody Fitbits or iPhones. How many of you think that would fly if you proposed that to your company? Take all the batteries out of clocks and buy everybody Fitbits? Probably wouldn't, right? So if I look at some of the key factors here, I'm understanding there are probably multiple people responsible for different things mentioned up here. You know, some of, some of them are maintenance related when I talk about time spent or material. Some of these my HR team cares about, so they might translate to risk mitigation for medical labor costs or my company EMR rate. Uh, other of these are, are very straightforward measurements, right? I know how much the batteries cost. So for each IoT project, I should evaluate both sides of this equation and really put some numbers to these. What are we gonna see? And like I said, I carry, I carry a timepiece with me at all times anyway. You know, it makes sense that I shouldn't have to use clocks on the wall. Um, it's important to understand speed of delivery of the value as well. So a lot of people get excited about some of the market hype. We start hearing about machine learning, right, AI. 
A lot of these terms sound really exciting and the capabilities sound really grand. But if I'm looking for a quick return on investment, some of the most basic items have the quickest turnaround and highest payback. Just properly managing alarms, how they escalate, having accurate data, automating manual processes. A lot of people are still completing Excel sheets or writing it on a piece of cardboard or a piece of paper. Those are easy, low-hanging fruit. And once those repeat themselves in terms of their ROI, I can start chasing some of the later insights. Starting small. It's important to pick something that is going to have enough momentum to pay back. Uh, for us, we try to choose critical systems. It's easy to get caught up in the excitement and say, I'm going to monitor every single motor all through my building, my HVAC, air compressor, everything possible I want to sensor on it. And unfortunately, that will probably never pay back. I need to understand what critical systems are affected. Generally, you see merges, sorters, recirc, HVAC systems, we're chillers, large air compressors. I need to address something that's going to pay for itself if, if I'm avoiding that amount of downtime. Starting too big doesn't pay for itself, but starting too small won't either. If I apply a very intense technology to only a handful of motors, I'm probably not going to see the return. So again, I mentioned this is our approach to start with sortation. Generally, sortation is the heartbeat for a distribution center. This is a great place to start and prove out value before scaling. And I mentioned from buildings before, usually chillers, air compressors, large, large motors and large assets that are important. And I think I reiterated, it's important to start small before scaling. It's easy to get caught up in what technology could be and try to have a very, very large project, but you can start small with something now. Waiting around for IoT to mature and try to sensorize everything in the building isn't going to be a sustainable strategy. There's value being derived right now from starting small and executing and measuring the results. Proving value. This tends to be the most difficult part of the situation, but if I have not set that financial criteria in my evaluation up front, how do I know that this succeeded or not? And what we end up seeing is 80% of businesses in their pilot of an IoT program actually go beyond a year, and greater than 25% of those go beyond two years. Again, this is because I didn't stop in that evaluation phase to find financial criteria. Did it succeed financially or not? In this case, if I'm looking at different deployment stages, I can tell you right now, just being able to visualize data that's automated and correct, we've seen enough cases where I can get $32,000 in just proper visualization of data that I already have, but I'm not storing, visualizing properly, or I'm manually recording. Right. We'll look through a couple other examples from these further stages, but we're seeing uh, generally it tends to be more exponential as you mature for different applications of the technology. So here's an example, pretty basic one, of this is a set of right ankle transfers. Uh, they had several jams. This is the 30-day jam count. So basically, we said threshold has been exceeded. We want you to perform the preventative maintenance. Basically, like your oil light check comes on and says you have 20% oil left. You should schedule your, your oil change in the, in the next month. Uh, we looked at before and after, figured out just them executing based on that preventative schedule, when we look at the threshold and see it spike, they can save $12,000 a year. This vibration use case I explained earlier, we had to estimate what the cost of downtime was before implementing the technology. So we validated that, we built the financial model and looked at it, and we did predict a failure here. 
and this is one of seven cases that we had for this example for this customer, but now we actually have a metric to say, did this succeed? In this case, we agreed predicting one gearbox failure saved about 35,000 because of the amount of downtime that would have incurred. We understand the recovery costs, the lost product through the door, all the factors that went into it. There are actually about probably seven factors that were built into that 35,000, right? So when they have seven of these, they exceeded what they, they set for their initial evaluation. They proved value. But you have to set that financial criteria up front. So when we start forecasting for potential inputs, there's lots of ROI calculator tools out there. You can start looking at some of these. So this is just an example for one customer that we started with, but we looked at all the value that was out there, condensed it in an easy way to say, you know, is this gonna work? Are you guys a good candidate or not? And where are we gonna get the value from, right? So here's maybe the seven different categories that we looked at. Uh, and what the investment might be. Now we have a financial goal to succeed or fail by and avoid going for a pilot on two years with no payback. So last part is to reinvest. So if I can prove out those values by setting that financial criteria, um, it continues to pay for itself. So it's one thing to predict a motor failure but it's another if all my baseline performance indicators are getting better. If I've automated a manual process, I continue to save that amount of money. What we see is if we're proving that we've saved that, now I can start expanding my scope of IoT. So I can start adding more power meters, I can start adding more vibration sensors, maybe I wanna integrate HVAC systems, uh, I wanna look at other assets that I have in the building and now determine if there's a business case and be able to reinvest what I've saved from my core offering that I've already proven that works and see if I can derive an even greater return. So the scalable piece is it's important to find that start small strategy that's, that's going to succeed, and then once I prove it is, now I can start scaling. And I, when I do scale, there's, it's not gonna scale across all my sites. I need to understand the business case probably for different applications. So if I'm building a new DC, if, if I have a smaller DC, is the same criteria that I set gonna work for each one of these DCs? Or if I'm going to scale, which one of out of these different locations should I scale to first? The reality is we're not gonna see someone start a pilot at one site and then all of a sudden launch 20 sites the next year. There needs to be some kind of migration strategy and some sense put into how do I know as I scale this that I am achieving the financial benefit? So the first hurdle we're seeing now is just adopting a technology maybe for one or a handful of sites, but I predict that we're going to see the next challenge become how do I scale properly? And the same circle that we showed earlier, understanding how I reinvest, setting that financial criteria, did I meet, a, meet or succeed it, and understanding there may be a different business case for how I expand each of those sites will let me determine the speed I can scale and where I scale to properly. So key takeaways, uh, do include a third-party provider. This, this tends to be less of a product. Uh, we think of IoT as some sensors and a cloud and some analytics, and it's really, people have probably used the term journey. You do, like I saw before, 66% of companies are including an outside vendor in the consulting part of their IoT team, which is hopefully more than two to three people. Uh, do select a diverse team for success. We saw that Two to three people may just be a, a maintenance manager and maybe his boss, but I have benefits that could range from my operations team, my maintenance team, inventory management, 
uh, even health, safety, and compliance. There's different categories that people are going to be responsible for and their own set of metrics they need to achieve. Right? Model financial feasibility early. So everyone's quick to jump to what's the payback without looking at the initial case, does IoT even make sense for me? And then what success criteria and what amount of time determine whether I succeed or fail? Uh, align outcomes of team members we covered. Uh, choose a limited scope, so start small to prove value. Again, try not to sensorize everything, but also don't do a handful of five sensors. Um, what we're generally seeing is I, for the motor vibration side of it, maybe 40 motors, 40 to 70 motors, a couple of power meters has been kind of pretty typical for, for our applications. Um, and then validate the findings that you achieve. So what KPIs am I going to measure that I've built into that financial model up front? Is it throughput, downtime, uptime, OEE? Uh, what cost avoidance measures was I looking for? Was I looking for one incident a month? Was I looking for a response to failure? What, what metrics uh, am I measuring for risk avoidance, right? And then finally, you know, repeat the process to scale. So just scaling within a building or scaling to multiple sites, I need to demonstrate value on a small scale before I start considering this grand application of connecting everything that I have and everyone's connected and everything. It's going to be an incremental process. It's going to be a journey. But each step of the way, I should be evaluating what do I think I can achieve? How will I hold myself and, and my team accountable? And did I prove what I was looking for? Um, so for more information, uh, we do have a booth. If you want to see a demonstration of an IoT technology, we have one. Um, but generally, I hope this was important to understand that without a business case, I think IoT is just going to sit in limbo, and you'll be one of the uh, you'll be one of the seven rather than the one of the eight pilots that fail. Remember, seven out of eight of these IoT projects are failing, and they're going beyond two years. So a lot of it is it's ex easy to get excited, take a step back, take a look at the Hortus approach, the first steps for financial evaluation, setting success and f failure criteria for your pilot, and then once you see that value execute and scale quickly. So, um, yeah, thank you all for attending. If anyone has any questions, I'm happy to answer. Um, oh. No, no questions? How did I get this red suit? Got it online? Oh, yes. So how's all this stuff connected together, you said? How do you get the data? And how do you get the data? Yes, so um, that's a great question. So how do, you, how do you get this information, right? So general IoT infrastructure um, is you probably have some existing assets that are already on site. So you'll probably connect to the assets that you have. Most, most controllers that have been manufactured in the past seven years have what's called OPC UA built into them. And this is an open standard protocol. This means kind of everybody can play nicely. So anything with a PLC on it, basically in the past seven years, you're able to pull that information. Um, the next part is if I'm going to add sensors and there's a business case for them, uh, I can set up a separate IO network. Generally, legacy systems don't support adding an older IO network. So there might be one on top of it that I just have specifically for IoT. Right? Um, so for us, we pull both sensor level information and control level information. 
Um, some companies focus on the sensor side of it. There's other companies that focus on the big data, um, more analytics KPIs side of what, what all my systems are doing, and they build APIs between different, different software. Um, so I, I think it's important to understand that you know, of, of the data that's usable, um, there's only maybe 25% of it. So there's a lot of data out there, and a lot of people, their first step is, I just want to gather all the data. And I think you should take a step back and say, you know, before I get everything connected, what data is going to become meaningful? So kind of the two ways I see is you can have a separate system or connect to your existing assets that you have and kind of build out from there. Did that answer? Yes. Yeah, so, so you can connect multiple ways. Um, I think OPC has gotten a lot more traction. And if I look at the connected buildings industry, um, they agreed on basically BACnet, right? They had lawn talk and BACnet. So they have different communication styles, but generally they've accepted an open standard protocol. Ethernet is open proprietary. Uh, OPC UA is open standard. So I think you'll see more and more IO link. Uh, you'll see more OPC UA specifically when communicating up to the cloud. But any I/O network, I think nowadays, most of them have some kind of additional adapter or driver. So I could be Modbus down the, down, downstream, but upstream I can communicate OPC UA. Yeah, so he, he asked, there's um, you know, three different uh, people that we saw up there. So we saw the visionary coach and executor, and he's wondering, with, within a, a DC, is there one team that's leading the charge over another? Is that? Sure, I, I think it, it's important to have that visionary leadership first, right? Because you have senior leadership buy-in, and they're willing to allocate resources to help you do that. Um, we do see a lot of times, you know, maybe middle level will, will see a piece of technology and they're like throwing it up to leadership saying we should, we should investigate this. Um, but if that senior leadership, that visionary is not on board and doesn't see it, um, it, it doesn't really happen. So um, that visionary, you know, doesn't necessarily have to be a GM manager all the time. There's new positions now. There's, you know, director of uh, information technology and even that's changing a little bit. They're calling like a, uh, you know, digital transformation officer. So. Uh, that visionary, depending on how big you want to start, you're small, could be just a maintenance manager uh, who's leading the charge and understands the outcomes, or it could be someone director level that's in, in charge of that information technology saying, I want to start small with four sites. Does that answer? So that's, that's more boots on the ground. I see more coach mentor side of that. Um, the, the, the two big ones I've, I see typically is, is someone's accountable generally for, for downtime KPIs, operational throughput. So usually the ops team has one side of it. Um, and then maintenance may be the other. Now, there's different levels of adoption based on how ingrained they've been in doing a certain, certain thing a certain way. So we see on a brand new system that goes in, everybody's really excited to learn the new toys. So they're very early adopters. They're happy to learn. Usually the operations team probably favors that side of it. 
on older systems, 12 to 15 year old systems, everything's on fire and I have to go fix it all the time and I can't be preventative, they're excited to make their lives easier so they tend to lead the charge on an, on an older system. Yeah, sure. So we did we did see you know some of the barriers. Uh, cybersecurity technically was one of them. It was a little bit lower down, um, but but just to throw some light on cybersecurity, so you'll probably see a divergence of SCADA systems and IoT platforms. So SCADA systems will be you know I want very high level of control across multiple different systems within my building that tends to be closed off and on premise. IoT is where I want I. I I can't store all that data because it might clog up my system, so I'm going to have it done in the cloud where I can perform those analytics. So you'll see a deviation. Most IoT technologies where I'm performing big data, analytics, machine learning, are typically outbound only communication to the cloud. That means that from within the firewall, my server is going to ping outside to the cloud to start delivering data. Uh, that's been used for you know, connected aircraft, refineries. Um, it's been used for, uh, I, don't, I guess I can say, for military build buildings that may or may not house the railgun. Um, <laughs> so generally speaking, there are probably systems you already have that, are, that have this type of communication. Um, there is a challenge for two-way communication, um, and, and some of that is still being developed. So I think you'll see more evolution uh, down the road, but as it stands right now, I'm trying to get the data out of my system as securely as possible with outbound-only communication. Um, and hopefully your vendor is running penetration tests. Some of these lower uh, or early you know, startup companies may not have that experience or background with doing penetration testing, running different IPs to see if they can access the system. So I would exercise some caution. That's part of having those 350 IoT competitors out there. Uh, I would look for someone who is, and maybe something to consider is, are, are they actually checking their system to see that it's secure? Uh, but generally speaking, outbound only communication, if someone even got a hold of the data, it's going to be a bunch of ones and zeros that they can't really identify or make sense of. All right. Are there any other questions? And if not, if you want to see other ways we've calculated value and maybe proved it, I understand here I gave you a methodology, but if you want to see real case studies, we're happy to provide that or I can speak with you afterwards. Um, but hopefully this has been insightful for you guys and I appreciate you putting up with my Back to the Future references. All right. Well, I hope everyone has a great rest of their Modex.